As you equip yourself with the necessary tools for discipleship, you are setting the stage to begin mentoring others. Once you have been trained, all that is left is for you to begin. This episode will explain in practical terms how to begin, what a first training session might look like, and helps you consider what may comprise future training sessions. Throughout this entire podcast series, we've looked at numerous ways to make disciples. In this episode, we will be talking specifically about the process of one-on-one discipleship. As we think through the process of disciple-making, it's very important to keep in mind that God never intended discipleship to be a man-made program that disciple-makers depend on. Why? Because the goal isn't merely to complete some book or curriculum with those you disciple. The goal is to learn to depend on God's Word and the power of His Spirit, because these are the only means of true life transformation. Consider this. When parents have children, we recognize the process as physical reproduction. Even though a child may share their parents' DNA, children have unique personalities learning styles, life experiences, as well as varying degrees of desire to learn. As a result, parents must adapt their parenting style to meet the individual needs of each child. Although a parent loves each child equally, their parenting approach may need to differ between children in order to be effective for each unique child. God doesn't give us a program for parenting. Instead, He provides us with parenting instructions, principles, and promises found in His Word, and the power of His Holy Spirit to enable us in every way to train our children in godliness. Parents who truly want to influence their children for Jesus spend time in God's Word and in prayer, seeking wisdom and guidance from the Lord in order to best train each individual child. Now, notice the similarities. When Jesus told his disciples to go make disciples, he was instructing them to reproduce truth in others by teaching them to obey everything God commands. Making disciples is a spiritual reproduction process. Even though each believer shares God's indwelling spirit, we still have unique personalities, learning styles, life experiences, and varying degrees of desire to learn. As a result, Those discipling others in godliness need to adapt their training style to best meet the individual needs of each person they disciple. God doesn't provide us with a program for making disciples. Instead, He gives us His eternal instructions, principles, and promises found in His Word and the power of His Holy Spirit to enable us in every way to train our spiritual children in godliness. Disciples who truly want to make disciples for Jesus will spend time studying God's Word and in prayer, seeking wisdom and guidance from the Lord in order to best mentor each individual. In fact, I believe that Jesus calls His disciples to make disciples not just to be a spiritual influence on others, but as a means to continue to mature each disciple-maker by stretching their faith and deepening their trust and reliance on Christ through the disciple-making process. Some people want a step-by-step program, a blueprint, if you will, to disciple others. 
Yet Jesus calls us to simply follow his example in making disciples by first recognizing and meeting people where they are. Consider this. Let's say that your Bible study leader tells you that a person in your class has a need. What will you do concerning the need? Don't you first need to know what the need is? Yes, because your approach would be different depending on the need, wouldn't it? Let's say the person just got home from the hospital and is unable to cook. In that case, taking the meals would be a great way to minister to them. Or instead, let's say a storm caused a tree to fall across the person's driveway, and they don't have the ability or the financial means to have it removed. We could organize people to help, right? Chainsaws, wood splitter, laborers. The point is this. It wouldn't be helpful to show up with chainsaws for the person that needs a meal. And what if we showed up with a meal for the person who needs the tree removed? They might enjoy the meal and be grateful for it. But what would our approach say? It would say that we didn't really listen to them or recognize their true need. We would have given them what we wanted them to have, but not what they really needed. I say all this because in the same way we need to be asking the right questions about a person's physical needs, we need to also ask the right questions concerning their spiritual needs. What does all of this have to do with discipleship? Well, people often ask me what curriculum I use or the best resource for discipling someone. What they are looking for is a systematic plan or approach to discipleship. However, the better question is, what is the person's need? Let's take this thought further because it's an important one. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus called his disciples, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. From the beginning, the goal was always for Jesus to teach his disciples to make disciples. These men knew about fishing. It wasn't merely a hobby for them. It was their way of life. Jesus was telling these disciples that he would teach them to make fishing for people a way of life. Teaching someone how to fish is an exercise in show and tell, a process of instructing and demonstrating so others can see and mimic what it looks like to fish. The same is true of discipleship. It's a process of communicating God's instructions and their practical application and then demonstrating what it looks like to obey His truth, trust in His promises, and experience His eternal benefits. So where do you begin in teaching someone to fish? Doesn't that answer depend on receiving more information? For example, does the person have any previous experience fishing? Have they ever held a fishing rod in their hands or baited a hook? Are they even comfortable being around water? You may be thinking, what do the answers to these questions have to do with discipleship? Well, throughout previous episodes, you've been taught many spiritual truths that will be valuable as you disciple believers. Even though these episodes have equipped you to make disciples, this question remains. How do you know where to begin in training someone in one-on-one discipleship? Throughout the New Testament, we see examples of Jesus meeting people where they are and then encouraging them to take the next steps of obedience to Him. People such as Matthew, Nicodemus, Peter, 
Zacchaeus, John, are all examples of Jesus first relating to them where they are in order to best meet their spiritual needs and have the greatest influence on them. Don't miss this point. The key to knowing where to begin the discipleship process with an individual is to first understand where the person is in their spiritual journey. For example, if I found out that the person I will be discipling has a Bible but has never read it, my discipleship approach would be different than if I found out that the person is very familiar with the Bible and has memorized a lot of scripture. Maybe the person attended church occasionally growing up, but has only started attending church regularly since becoming saved. Wouldn't my discipleship approach be different than it would be for a person who's been in church their entire life? In following Jesus' example in making disciples, it's important for us to learn to meet people where they are in their spiritual journey. I don't mean to belabor this point, but one of the greatest mistakes people make in discipling others is presenting material that they want a believer to learn without ever making it applicable to the individual's life. More knowledge of Scripture alone often fails to translate into increased understanding or practical application. Sadly, the result of this type of discipleship approach is often checking a box that a person completed a discipleship course with little or no experience of personal spiritual growth. For this reason, let's slow down and consider what it might look like to begin discipling a person one-on-one. Once I've committed to discipling someone, but prior to our first official training session, I discuss when, where, and how long we'll be meeting together to help them plan for the journey. This conversation may take place in person or by phone. It's beneficial to set a time frame for individual discipleship, and scheduling regular meetings provides accountability to the commitment the person has made to the process. I typically ask them to initially commit to meeting once a week at an appointed time for 10 weeks, as it should take only a matter of weeks to train a believer to pursue righteousness for themselves. That said, I also remain flexible. There may be unforeseen circumstances that increase the number of meetings or occasions when the person needs extra time to apply a specific truth in their life before moving on to another subject. The exact length of time needed to complete training will be determined as we spend more time together. However, I personally set the length of each meeting time at about one hour while also being continuously sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He may show you to finish early or that more time is necessary to finish the work he's accomplishing. Since discipleship is not a program, free yourself up to follow the Spirit's lead. And because God is a God of detail, we should also consider his best in selecting the place to meet. The location should be free from noise and distractions. If you choose to meet in a public place, Be sure it offers a space where you'll be uninterrupted. Commit each detail to the Lord and faithfully follow His directives. Once we've agreed on when, where, and how we will be meeting, I answer for them the question of why we are meeting. They know they have a personal spiritual need, but it's also important for them to understand God's design and purpose for discipleship. I find it helpful to explain the purpose for discipleship like this. In Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus commissions his disciples by saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's plan for His disciples is that we each learn to look more and more like Him, giving Him honor and glory by walking in obedience to His instructions. That means that it will not be enough to merely acknowledge and understand God's truth. We each must put it into practice in order to achieve lasting results. As each person takes the words of the Bible and applies them in their daily life, they will experience success through spiritual transformation. However, each spiritual journey is unique, and spiritual success is to be measured by God's standard rather than the world's standard or through comparing ourselves with others. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In 1 Timothy 4, 7-8, it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Consider the benefits that result from physical training. Some people will invest in fad diets and weight loss pills to try to become physically fit. Yet good nutrition and exercise are the only ways to achieve physical wellness. In the same way, those who want to grow in godliness may pursue a variety of ways to do so. However, God develops spiritual wellness in us as we learn to abide with Jesus through daily Bible study and prayer. There are no shortcuts to spiritual wellness. It requires determination, time, and effort. That's why Paul refers to it as training. Verse 8 says that physical training is valuable, yet the benefits of training in godliness are unlimited and eternal. Spiritual wellness begins by abandoning all myths or tales that are contrary to biblical truth, to instead invest deeply in God's Word. Using this verse, you can communicate the goal for your season together, which is to equip them with basic skills so that when your time together is finished, they can continue to train themselves in godliness. At that point, ask if they have any questions. Then, In order to better prepare for our first official meeting together, I asked the person to tell me about their spiritual history or journey. Did you catch that? I'm asking the question that will give me insight into their spiritual needs, reveal specific ways to be praying for them, and help me in determining the direction to take in training them. I'll explain more about this significant question and the information I receive later in this episode. While I just shared with you the direction I often initially take, keep in mind that disciple-makers are to be equipped with God's truth and dependent on the leading and guidance of His Spirit. That means that each process could look a little different, but must always be grounded in God's Word. It's quite freeing to be prepared and equipped to train others to grow in their spiritual walk while allowing God to lead. As you prayerfully consider each week's meeting, 
The Lord may direct you to share other scripture or communicate truth in a different way than I've presented in this podcast series. He may prompt you to give the person specific Bible verses to read prior to your meeting or wait until you are together. More than anything, we want each person we disciple to be continually encouraged throughout the process to stay the course of walking in obedience to Christ Jesus. Once I've given the person a glimpse of the discipleship process and answered any questions they may have, we're ready to officially begin training. I encourage you to open each training session with prayer, praying specifically that God would clear their mind, prevent them from being distracted, and help them to understand truth. It's important to also close each time together in prayer. This conveys the importance of depending more fully on Jesus and to anticipate His powerful work. As your meetings together continue, encourage them to take the lead in prayer, either at the start or end of each meeting. Since a person won't be able to apply biblical truth until they first understand it, invite them to interrupt you any time they have a question or a need to gain better understanding. Let them know that as they process and practice the biblical principles they learn each week, to feel free to contact you in between meetings if they have questions. Also, the amount a person learns and comprehends can often depend on the method by which they are taught. Since people learn in a variety of ways, It can be valuable to take the time to ask the person to consider their learning style in order for you to be most effective. For example, is it easy for them to learn by listening to instruction, or do they prefer written directions? Do they benefit from word pictures? Answers to these questions will help you recognize ways to best present each lesson to each unique individual. For example, You may learn that it will be helpful for you to prepare an outline for the person to use each week, or that you'll want to pause while teaching in order for the person to take notes. Perhaps it will benefit the person for you to use simple visual aids or analogies in presenting specific Bible principles. In doing so, you're not merely presenting truth. You will be presenting it in the best way it will be understood and received by each person in order for them to apply it in their lives. That's the significance and effectiveness of individual discipleship. Now, as you may remember, I talked earlier about asking the person I would disciple to share with me their spiritual journey. I told you that I would explain the significance of asking that question and the value in the information I receive later in this episode. As I do so, I encourage you to follow along with me using the illustration titled A Spiritual Journey, included in this episode's outline. I know that in order to follow Jesus' example of meeting people where they are, I first need to find out where they are in their spiritual journey. So I'm going to listen carefully to the person's response to the question concerning their spiritual journey, while relying on the Holy Spirit for discernment and insight. Before I even receive their response, I've been trained from previous episodes to understand the significance in the order of the discipleship process as presented in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. If I were to communicate that process in simple terms, I might say it like this. Before someone enters into a relationship with Jesus, 
the Bible calls them lost. A person becomes a disciple at the point of salvation and then continues to grow in Christ as they learn to obey everything God commands, the first act of obedience being baptism. Clearly, a person cannot obey Jesus without receiving His grace through faith. Why? Because no one has the power to obey apart from the indwelling Holy Spirit. Therefore, while the person tells me about their spiritual journey, I'm listening first and foremost for evidence of their salvation. If there is any indication that they are uncertain of their salvation, or they sometimes doubt their salvation, I may begin our first training together discussing the gospel. As a side note, for those of you who are not familiar with sharing the gospel, please take the time to listen to the podcast episodes included in the series, The Significance of the Gospel. Matthew 28, 19 teaches that a believer's first act of obedience following salvation is baptism. Therefore, I'm also listening for an indication that the person has been baptized. If not, I will ask them if they've been baptized, and I may plan to share with them the significance of baptism in our time together. If the person clearly communicates confidence in their salvation and that they've been baptized following salvation, I would not begin our time together discussing either of these subjects, since the person has passed these milestones in their spiritual journey. In further considering where to begin, let's refer again to Matthew 28.20, where Jesus told his disciples to continue in the discipleship process by teaching other disciples to obey everything he commanded. We can see how the spiritual journey illustration reflects the order of the Great Commission concerning salvation, baptism, and then teaching others to obey all his commands. But what does it look like? What will it take to teach those we disciple to learn to obey everything God commands? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul wrote, We thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. In order for a person to learn to obey God's commands, they must first hear and understand them and choose to receive them by believing in them. To put it simply, the person must be teachable. Psalm 119.33 says, Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. You can recognize teachability in a person you're going to disciple when there is evidence that they desire to receive and apply biblical truth. When a person lacks teachability, they also lack humility. At times, they may come across as prideful, self-righteous, strong-willed, or stubborn. Being humble and teachable is essential to walking in obedience to God's instructions. Therefore, if I fail to hear or see evidence of teachability while the person is telling me about their spiritual history, teachability may be the next subject I cover. If the person does demonstrate teachability, I may briefly discuss its value and encourage the person to remain teachable. Next, I may teach them the significance of being surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Surrender isn't a one-time event. In order to continually follow Jesus, we must learn to allow him to lead. In Luke 9.23, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Remaining in a yielded position to Jesus demonstrates his authority and control in our lives. Think about it. Whatever issue you want to discuss, pick a subject. Obedience to Jesus will always depend on you being surrendered to his authority. That makes the subject of surrender essential in discipleship training. Another significant subject in the life of a disciple is sanctification. Because Jesus didn't just save us from the penalty of sin, he also saved us from the bondage of sin. I then may teach the person I'm discipling the importance of living by faith. Hebrews 12.2 tells us that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. That means that faith originates in Jesus and is perfected through him. Each of the truths I just mentioned, teachability, salvation, surrender, and the significance of faith, can be found in the podcast series, The Process of Growing Disciple. From here, you may want to cover studying God's Word for application and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, each person is unique, so I wouldn't plan to train a person to study God's Word for application if I find out that they are already doing so on a regular basis. Once you've set the foundation for learning to apply truth, ask the Lord to show you what subjects and in what order He wants you to continue to teach. Training the person to find their identity and purpose in Christ, how to make godly choices and build godly relationships, being victorious in adversity, and learning from experience are all lessons plus more that can be found in earlier episodes of this podcast. So please take the time to familiarize yourself with these truths. Keep in mind, I've been talking very briefly about subjects that can be covered in one-on-one discipleship training, just to give you a glimpse of what it might look like to train people to live in obedience to God's commands. Although I've been brief, you will want to be much more thorough in presenting, discussing, and applying each truth with those you disciple. Is it starting to make sense why I said discipleship is not a program? While you can see that we have started an order in the spiritual journey illustration in the outline, each journey may look different. This is just a guide meant to show you what discipleship training may look like. Are you beginning to feel the struggle or tension between wanting someone to give you a step-by-step blueprint to follow to disciple others and learning to rely on God's Word and His Spirit to enable you to successfully disciple each unique individual? It would seem that meeting a person where they are and pointing them in the direction of growing closer to Jesus would be a simple enough plan to follow, right? But people in their lives are seldom simple, and this is where it becomes challenging for discipleship to be a set program. Let me give you an example. Let's say that I've been discipling a new believer for several weeks. She's applying truth and experiencing spiritual growth. Then one week she arrives heavy-hearted because her mother was just diagnosed with cancer. She's worried and fearful. Rather than continue with what I had planned, I need to meet her where she is in that moment. If I don't, she's going to be distracted by the issue at hand. I need to help her walk in victory through this adversity. So relying on the Lord's lead, I might spend our time together training her to walk by faith or teaching her God's purpose in adversity. Be flexible. Even though you may be prepared to teach each week, 
the person you are mentoring may arrive with other issues on their mind that require attention. At times, their comments or questions may lead in a direction other than the one you've prepared for. For example, it might be that while you're talking about sanctification, the person begins asking what the Bible says about the subject of purity. These occasions provide wonderful opportunities for people to see how application of truth can be lived out in real-life situations. Rather than becoming rattled or anxious, ask the Lord to show you what to say, and then allow Him to lead your conversation in His desired direction. You can pick up the subject you were prepared to teach at another time. In another example, let's say that while telling me about their spiritual journey, a person reveals that they have a lot of resentment concerning family relationships. Since God wants us to experience victory over resentment, the Lord may guide me to address this issue early in our training, making it a priority over other lessons. Or He may lead me to initially point them to Scripture about how to obtain victory in relationships and then interweave additional truths concerning the subject into future lessons. Let's consider another example. Let's say that I'm approached by a person who's been a believer for several years and demonstrates a strong personal faith. Other people have been recognizing the transformation in their life and are asking her to mentor them. By the way, this happens often because a transformed life is a magnet for disciple-making. But she doesn't know what it looks like to be a spiritual mentor and is asking me to train her. In this case, and as the Lord leads, I may begin our time together teaching other subjects that we discussed in this podcast series, such as the basis for discipleship, to define God's plan for making disciples, then discuss the need for pursuing personal holiness, the significance of abiding in Christ, and being relational, equipping her with ways to engage people in spiritual conversations prior to transitioning into other subjects. Do you see how each individual's need dictated a different starting point and approach in the discipleship process? All the episodes in this podcast series have been designed to equip you with many different tools to address a wide variety of spiritual issues. However, not all issues will need to be addressed with each person. For this reason, I encourage you to become thoroughly familiar with the biblical tools for discipleship training as presented in the Making Disciples podcast on my website at carlamclaughlin.com. Then, rely on the Holy Spirit to direct each week's training according to the individual's needs. I realize that it's intuitive for many people to want a written resource to rely on for discipleship. For that very reason, I wrote a resource for discipleship. The book is entitled Making Disciples, Applying Truth in Daily Living and can be purchased on my website. However, I encourage you to make it your goal to learn first and foremost to rely on God's Word and the discernment of His Spirit as your greatest resource. In fact, that is exactly what the book promotes. It's also intuitive for some people to think systematically, especially when it pertains to training someone. People often view discipleship as a linear process, a progression of sequential steps. Please take a moment to look back over the spiritual journey illustration. It demonstrates a linear plan. 
The subjects in this illustration are only a partial list of the subjects included within each series of this podcast, as well as the chapters in the book. But again, where you begin and the process you develop for one-on-one discipleship should depend on the needs of each individual. Also included with this episode is the discipleship outline you can download as a reference, providing you with a general description of the essential fundamentals of discipleship. You may find this outline helpful in considering what subjects you may want to initially consider in teaching one-on-one discipleship. However, I cannot express enough that each weekly training should be based on the guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit. As you move forward toward the process of one-on-one discipleship training, remember to be flexible and obedient to the Lord in determining topics and length of study. It may be that God guides you to convey some subjects using fewer scriptures or additional verses than those provided in this podcast, or to cover subjects not mentioned here. Closely following the Lord's lead will provide confidence in God's best plan for each person and will result in effective discipleship. Throughout training, commit your work to God through prayer. Ask Him to prepare you and equip you in every way to be sensitive and obedient to his leading. Pray that God will create within the heart of each person you disciple a teachable spirit and desire to pursue righteousness. Ask the Lord to protect your time together and to eliminate any obstacles or distractions that may prevent them from hearing truth and surrendering to it. Continually commit your efforts to the Lord and leave the results to Him. Before we close, I'd like to share a few additional helpful reminders when making disciples. First of all, remember, God wants to do a thorough, rather than a partial or incomplete work in the lives of His disciples. Therefore, our goal should never be to have a set agenda or plan to cover as much material as possible in each session. Our goal in discipleship is to teach individuals to develop thought and behavior patterns based on truth and, as needed, to correct wrong thinking. This means that while we're being proactive in teaching biblical principles, it may also become necessary to help them correct thought patterns that oppose truth. Be watchful. If a person communicates thoughts or demonstrates actions that oppose God's word or his character, it may indicate that they lack full understanding of a biblical principle or have thought patterns that fail to line up with scripture that may need to be addressed. Be patient kind, and loving in your instruction. Teach as God leads. Then, prior to moving on to another subject, ask God to enable you to discern if the person is successfully grasping each spiritual truth. Sometimes I ask questions to help me in determining correct and complete comprehension. For example, what do you understand this truth to mean? Or what do you think the Bible is saying here? Then use interactive dialogue to confirm accurate understanding and to correct any misunderstanding. No doubt, life transformation occurs through application of Scripture. Therefore, plan each week to give the person you are mentoring some practical homework to practice. Practical homework is simply ways that they can apply truth in their life. For example, let's say that we just finished discussing the importance of being teachable and the person I'm discipling shares with me that they struggle with being teachable. Some examples of practical application 
would be to ask the Lord to give them a teachable spirit and a willingness to learn, or to ask the Holy Spirit to convict them when they are prideful and to practice walking in humility, or practice placing themselves in a teachable position prior to attending Bible study or listening to a sermon. In addition to suggesting ways to apply truth, I sometimes ask questions to assist a person in considering personal application. For example, what difference should knowledge of this truth make in your life? Or what would you consider to be some practical ways to practice this particular scripture? Evaluating the person's choices and behaviors will also help you in verifying their application of truth. Our human nature wants to see progress in personal endeavors, and discipleship training is no exception. Helping those you disciple put God's Word into practice will enable them to see progress in the process of spiritual maturity. People sometimes ask me to give them written homework in addition to practical application, and I'm happy to do so. However, I also want them to understand that it is life application rather than merely more Bible study that will develop their spiritual maturity. For that reason, the applications included with each episode in this podcast have been designed to promote personal application of God's Word, and you're welcome to share them with those you disciple as God leads. Since mentoring is a process of both teaching and learning through application, As mentors, we should also be sensitive to a person's point of saturation. It's wise to stop at the point when a person has taken in as much information as they are able to process and allow adequate time to implement what was taught before teaching new subject matter. We must be continually relying on the Lord to show us when to slow down, review, or even back up rather than move forward in training. Since God alone knows the individual needs and makeup of each of His children, before ending your training sessions together, ask Him to reveal any additional truths He would like you to share with the person you're discipling. You may also want to ask them if there is any additional subject they would like you to cover. As your training sessions come to a close, encourage the person to continue to train themselves in godliness through personal study and application of God's Word and to consistently place themselves under sound biblical teaching and accountability to truth. Now, even though God calls us to teach others to obey everything He's commanded, we cannot choose obedience for others. We're to pursue carefully only what Jesus asks of us and to faithfully pray for each person's obedient response. It's important to realize up front that there may be occasions when the person you are mentoring begins to show signs or symptoms of not being fully committed to the discipleship process. Perhaps they're inconsistent in attendance, they cancel rather than reschedule sessions, or they completely cancel future training. The person may meet with you each week, but they fail to demonstrate application of the truth being taught. Commit each situation to prayer rather than being discouraged. Keep in mind that a genuine, thorough, transforming work is produced by God and God alone. If a person declines to finish training, commit to pray for them, that God will give them the desire to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus. It's also important to realize that it would be of no value or benefit for a person to go through the motions of discipleship only to tell others that it had no lasting effect. In such cases where the person you are mentoring 
is attending the training but not applying truth, it may be that God would lead you to discontinue a mentoring relationship. Ask the Lord how to approach the person each week and whether He is calling you to remain committed to disciple them. You might want to say to the person, for example, You committed to the discipleship process, yet you've not showed up for our last two meetings. Is our meeting time no longer good for you? Or, You seem disinterested in practicing the truths we're discussing each week. Is the process not what you expected? Since it is never our goal to cause others to stumble, communicate in love the reason God may have you discontinue meeting together in advance of doing so. This places the responsibility and accountability on the one being mentored. Remember, when discipling believers one-on-one, we are simply promoting spiritual growth. Our responsibility lies in earnestly following God's lead, conveying His truth in love, and trusting Him for the results. Let's look together one last time at our commission to make disciples in Matthew 28, 18-20, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. In the Great Commission, we see both our own salvation experience and the process for making disciples. What I don't want you to miss here is the two important bookends to the discipleship process. 1. Jesus tells us that He has all authority and heaven on earth. Therefore, we are sent out by Christ's authority to operate under His authority. And 2. At the end of this commission, Jesus says, And surely I am with you always. Making disciples is Jesus' work. He merely wants to involve us in the process. He will be with us and help us every step of the way. No doubt God has immediate and future purpose for your life. You have been preparing for this time, and God is asking you to make disciples. I realize that this episode contains a lot of information, but rather than choosing to become overwhelmed by the task at hand, keep in mind that the work is the Lord's. My prayer is that you will become filled with the love of Jesus and equipped with His truth. Be expectant of all God will accomplish in and through you as you choose to be intentional and purposeful in participating in His plan to make disciples. To be most effective in discipleship training, you will need to depend on the Holy Spirit to provide you with insight into an individual's spiritual maturity and needs as you meet each week. Then, using Scripture, assist the person in consistently identifying and implementing the next step of obedience. Remember, part of God's plan in making disciples is to train people to depend solely on Jesus and His Word rather than on you. In doing so, they will become spiritually self-disciplined in obeying God's commands.